We're looking tonight at the Bracha Vavat Olam again. Last week we spoke about the uh, authorship and the, the strange possibilities as to who might have written it. And we also looked at uh, different um, ideas inherent in Avat Olam and the Heichal and and why Avat Olam was juxtaposed to Yotzer Or and for perhaps why it's juxtaposed to uh, Shema. Uh, tonight we're going to try to look at the body of the text itself more closely. Instead of looking at it externally, we'll look at it a little bit more internally. So I'm going to start off with the, the basic composition of the text, and that is that there are three major girsaot of the text of Avat Olam. The first, the shortest one is the Ashkenaz. It seems to have the least insertions, the least variations in text. It seems to have been mostly unchanged for a very long time. The second to longest one is the Temani one. That's almost word for word the Rambam's version, plus or minus a couple of vavs here, a vowel here, a vowel there. Mostly the Temani version is very similar to the Rambam, and they, they pray a lot. Very, very much of their prayers are, are based on the Rambam's text. And the, the largest, longest one is the Svaradi one, which has a lot of um, extra words here and there. In some, in some Svaradi versions, you'll find words that are there when they don't really need to be there. It could have been additions of certain Sidurim. But there are certain insertions that even though they're an extra word, they are deliberate. Some of them you can't actually... Some of the words in Avat Olam that are extra in the Svaradi, you can't ascertain that they're, that they're extra for deliberate purposes or if they were just added by accident. But for the most part, it does seem that the additions of the Svaradim are deliberate. Now, there are four main topics in this bracha. The first topic is Hashem's love for us, right? We say, Ahavat olam avtanu, right? Like the Pasuk says, that Hashem loved us for an eternal, everlasting love. Ahavat olam avtich, the Pasuk says, that Hashem said, I, I swear that I, I promise that, I've, I've, uh, that I love B'nai Israel for an everlasting love. The second topic is how with that love He gave us the Torah. The third topic is, in the middle of nowhere, it gives a prayer for Geulah. It says, It starts talking about Yimot HaMashiach. And lastly, it says, right? It says that we should, um, what's the actual language at the end? Uh, is the topic of Yichud, that we should unify Hashem's name. So we're going to try to discuss each one of these on their own. There's an interesting Gmaran, Brachot, from Abet, what the Gemara says in two lines, I think it's Rabbi Huda Mashmuel, that if a person uh, wakes up early and he, exactly what this B'diavid is, is a bit tricky according to Tosafot, but basically if a person wakes up and he says, uh, he's, he prays and he says Kriyat Shema and he goes through the whole tefillah and then he finishes and he didn't say, and he didn't say Birchat Torah, he was Yotzei Birchat Torah by saying Avat Olam. That's what the Gemara says. The B'diavad if you didn't say Birchat Torah and then you already re- prayed and you and you said Avat Olam that day, then Avat Olam is in effect a Birchat Torah. So it seems that what the Gemara is telling us is that Avat Olam is in essence a Bracha on the Torah. That seems to be the the main crux of the Bracha or the main thrust of it is how Hashem loved us by giving us. Uh, the, Torah, the Torah, and there's a famous of uh, uh, Rav Chaim on this, Rav Chaim uh, Brisker, who speaks about the nature of Birchas HaTorah, and he, he basically, he has a whole thing as what Birchat Torah is. 
there's a, a discussion in the post scheme whether it's a Birkat mitzvot, is it a Birkat shvach, is it a Birkat Hoda'ah, what is Birkat Torah? So he has a theory which is very lumdish, and he says the bracha is the bracha on the chefza shal mitzvah. It's not a bracha on, on, on it's not a bracha birchat mitzvah like a normal bracha on the mitzvah. We don't say a, we don't uh, we aren't forced to just say asher kedusha mitzvahu. It's a bracha on the essence of the mitzvah, not a bracha on doing the mitzvah. It's a very interesting pshat. But from this this avat olam is is a rayat. This this gemara is a rayat. What he's saying because as long as we we say a, a bracha which constitutes and thrusts forward the essence of thanking Hashem for giving us the Torah, we have accomplished bichat the Torah. Now, last week we spoke a little bit about this idea. Why is it situated here, and why isn't? Why don't we just say Asher kedushanu mitzvotavit sivanu? Uh, why, why, don't we, why don't we just say a simple bracha? If it's a mitzvah to say to say kriyat shema, why don't we just say asher kedushan So there's many theories. We saw the the, the Balatanya. Um, we saw uh, I don't remember every 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 version of this we saw last week. But the first idea we brought forward was that that avatulam is situated here in kriyat shema because. Um, the whole section of Kriyat Shema and the Tefillah is the world of thought. It's the world of intellectual uh, cleaving to Hashem. So we basically have to um, use our intellect to get closer to Hashem. And therefore we meditate on the, on the ideas of the angels and the lofty heaven, heavenly spheres. And we, and we meditate on, on, on the galaxies and all these things and all the things that are intellectual to us that we can't actually empirically experience. And we also should... And therefore, Torah is one of the intellectual things that brings us closer to Hashem, and we meditate on uh, the gift of the Torah to us. That, that's one theory for why why Avat Olam, why a brachav Torah is put into the section of uh, Kriyat Shema. The Abu Darham says that it comes after Yotzer Or because we're following the Psukim, right? The Psukim say, right? The Psukim and Tehilim say that Hashem that the heavens proclaim Hashem's glory and and um, and uh, the work of His hands do the uh, do do the do the the firmaments tell. So that's that's Keneged Yotzer R. First, we we speak about him as Shemayim Sapim Kvodel. That's that that's that's Yotzer R. Then we um, it says Torah Hashem Tamima. So we speak about the Avat Olam. And then it says Edut Hashem Neamana that Hashem's uh, uh, what's the word testimony is true, and that's that's Yehud of Kriyat Shema. That's the testimony of of Kriyat Shema. So that he holds it's, it. The reason Avat Olam is here is because it's following the order. We're fo- we're following the structure David Melech put for us. Lastly, the Ravan says that simply we're speaking about Avat Hashem and Limud Torah, and this is the most simplest understanding because that's the topics spoken about in the Kriyat Shema itself. It says Ve'Aftat Hashem that we should love Hashem. And then it says, "Vidibarta bam b'shivta chabveitacha that we should that we should let we should learn the Torah." And because um, the mitzvah of limut Torah and the mitzvah of haftat Hashem are in Kriyat Shema, that's what the bracha talks about. Now we also saw the Balatanya, and he says that the reason Havat Olam comes is situated here is because in order to properly for us to, to learn to love Hashem, we first have to meditate on how much Hashem loves us. So the procession of the, of the meditation is as follows. First, we imagine and we think to ourselves how 
um, numerous and how great the creations are of the heavenly hosts, right? All the spheres, whether, they, whether they're the galaxies and the universes, whether they're physical spheres, whether they're spiritual sp spheres, like full of the malachim, and all the things that are far greater than us that Hashem created, then we have to realize that Hashem set aside His love and His care and His attention for all of those magnificent things which He created and focused His attention on us. And then we focus on how Hashem focuses attention on us as Jewish people. He chose us, Asher Bachar Banu, we say in this bracha, and he gave us the Torah, and he cared about humanity and specifically about the Jewish people. And when we see how much Hashem loves us, that's when we begin to love Hashem back. So the Pasuk says in Mishleik, Mayim hapanim lapanim, ken lev ha'adam la'adam. The Pasuk means that just as water reflects um, a face, if you look into water, uh, you see a reflection, so too the face of a person reflects the face of his friend. Now what that means in, in, a, in a simple meaning is that if you see a person, if a person treats you nicely, you're going to treat him back also nicely. If a person is upset, there's going to be a transference. You're going to also be upset. If you're treated rudely, if, so, if, you're, if your coworker or your boss comes in in a good mood, you're also going to be in a good mood. We reflect and we transfer each other's mood because human relationships are reciprocal. So the same is true with, and the Balatanya says that we accomplish the, one of the best ways to, to learn to love our friends is when we realize that there's an inherent reciprocity. And that is because we all have a neshama, and we all have a neshama which is part of the same uh, essence. They all, it all comes from Hashem. And then we realize that we're all brothers, and then we all realize that we're all looking at our reflection. We all realize that we're all, by nature, reciprocal. We're all, we're all brothers because we all have a spark in us, in us which is from the same uh, metaphorically the same father and therefore we all should it's much easier for Jewish people to, to fulfill the mitzvah of once we realize that we're all neshamot and we're not just bodies and we're not just people with yetzaharaz we, we realize that we all have a soul so in regard to love of Hashem we don't want a self-generated love. We don't want a love which we generated ourselves and just we decided one day okay we're going to love Hashem the way that um we the way that we achieve love of Hashem is when we realize that He set aside His love for all the angels. It doesn't say anywhere explicitly that Hashem's, Hashem loves angels. You won't find a Makar in the Torah where it says Hashem loves the angels. The, the angels don't have Bechira. The angels are perfect. The angels are, are spiritually enormous. And yet Hashem loves us, and it says it many times that, Hashem's, that Hashem loves us, far more than any of the celestial creations that he created or any of the physical creations that Hashem created. And Hashem chose us that we have Bechira and we have free will and we could be imperfect and Hashem still chose to, to love us instead of the Malachim. It's actually a fascinating thing because generally when, like even parents demand much more of their children than that. For example, if you have a child who uh, disobeys his parent, the, father, the parents usually get very angry and because, you know, they provide everything for the children and if a child disobeys, they get upset. And furthermore, sometimes they don't allow their children. Let's say you have a boss. You, the boss hires you. He gives you all the tools you need to fulfill the job. And if you do not fulfill the job, he's going to get upset. I'm paying you. I'm ordering you to do A, B, and C. You don't have a choice. I, <laughs> I'm paying you. You're, you work for me. Well, with Hashem, it's very different. With Hashem, he gave us all the tools we need to live, and he gave us and he says, please do this. I'm giving you everything you need. Please do X, Y, and Z. Please obey my commandments. And then people go ahead and they don't do them. And 
he doesn't immediately strike them down. There's a nature of Hashem's love for us in giving Bechira, in giving us free will, in and of itself, which shows us how much more he loves us than any of his higher creations. Meaning, not just did Hashem love us with our imperfections. Hashem decided to love us more than the the angels and to give us this ability to defy him and um, be imperfect and to still let us sustain us while we're imperfect. So there's there's no end to this meditation. We can think of all different ways that Hashem loves us. This is my own uh, ideas, but you could also you could also each person has their own way of relating to meditating on how Hashem loves them specifically and individually. Um, and for everybody, they'll experience it a little bit differently. So we're going to see a little bit more about this idea of of um, Hashem loving us before and after the sin in a moment. So let's let's go through the words themselves. Avat olam avtanu Hashem, with an eternal love have you loved us, Hashem elokeinu, Hashem our God. Those are both attributes of Hashem, both din and rachamim. Chemla gedola vitera, with the great and abundant passion. So we've seen the word chemla before when we gave a shiur on modeani. So the Malbim understands the word chemla to mean when you have mercy on something because you see that you're making a cheshbon that it has value, right? Like... Uh, like he says that this is why uh, Shaul was punished for not killing Agag because he was by Achmolalav because he had chemla. He made a cheshbon in his mind. Oh, I'm going to have Rachmanut and therefore Hashem was upset at him. Who are you to make a cheshbon against me? While the Rokeach, the Rokeach learns that chemla is whenever somebody has mercy on somebody else be caught, um, from killing him. When somebody has mercy not to kill somebody, that's called chemla. So, says the Grah, and the grass seems to agree with this, with this interpretation, that this entire progression of the first, uh, depends what kind of sidur you have, but let's say the first five lines of Avat Olam, this entire progression is alluding to the Yitziat Mitzrayim. Avat Olam Avtan Hashem Elokeinu, Chem la Aleinu. You had a tremendous, you had, you had, you have been merciful on us. Now that means that Hashem forgave us for the Chet Egel. Mm-hmm. Basically, after Hashem forgave us, He gave us Matan Torah. So the, the Gra learns this section is an allusion to the Yitziat Mitzrayim, and then the Chet Egel, and then first it's Avtanu, he, he took us out of Mitzrayim, is that He forgave us for the Egel, and then the Babur Shem Chagadol, that He gave us a Torah, that's Matan Torah. Now, it's the grand Shira Shirim Perak Aleph Tedzayin. So it says, So for the for the sake of your great name, Shimcha Gadol, and for the sake of our forefathers who trusted you, and whom you taught life-giving precepts. So there's different girsaot here. Some say, and you have taught us. Some say, there's all different grammatical ways to do it. And everyone has their own opinion about what's entirely right. You'll find even within the Svaradim or within Ashkenazim, there's this slight variation. To do your will. So should you be gracious to us, our merciful Father. Now every Gersa has this. They don't all say na, but they say Sorry. So this... The first is the the attribute, right? Hamirachem, the the Harachaman. I'm sorry, Harachaman is the attribute, the merciful one. Hamirachem. Then there's the verb. You should have mercy on us. So there's various uh, 
like if you look in this in the Siddur of the Rakech, he gives the Gmachiav Merachem and the, all different. Uh, apparently, there's a Kabbalistic system here to why these specific words are are used. But the Siach Yitzchak says that this is this is a remez to the stat the the Yud Gimel Midot. In the Yud Gimel Midot, we say Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum Mechanun Erachabayim of Chesvemet. So the sod of Hashem Hashem is that Hashem remains the same and unchanged, impassable before the chet and after the chet. The midah of Hashem's rachamim doesn't change. Hashem's love is not something which, uh, 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 what's the word? Not something that fluctuates. Hashem's love for us is something that's constant and something that remains static before and after the chet. So this is the, the lesson and the, the illusion of rachaman hamirachem rachem na'aleinu. V'ten belibenu, you should put in our hearts, and now it lists eight things. Bina, v'tem libenu bina, lehavin, lehavin, lehaskil, lishma, lemod, lamed, lishma, v'lasotu, lekayem, et kol devrei tamu, tevtecha be'ava. Let's just do the English here. To, under, to understand, to discern, to hear, to study, to teach, to keep, to do, and to fulfill all the words of the teachings of your Torah. So I couldn't find anybody who really delves into why it chose these eight things. All of the versions that you'll find, they all say the exact same eight words that, that Hashem gave us the Koach Lahavin, Lahaskil, Lashmol, Lamod, Lamed. I did see the, uh, the Rokeach says that this is, corresponds to the eight Midot of Limud HaTorah, that there's eight modes, so to speak, or eight measures of learning Torah, and he doesn't explain what he means at all. Uh, that's very unusual for, that's usual for the Rokeach, but it's unusual because I've never seen the, the, the term of eight Midot of Limud HaTorah. We know that there's 49 ways to be Koneh Torah, but we don't necessarily see anywhere that there's eight measures of learning Torah. But that's what he says. Now, Lehaskil uh, is an interesting word, because Lehaskil in the in Tanakh is 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 used in two, it says, Vahi David Lechol Derachav Maskil Right, we say this by Havdalah. So what does it mean, Lechol Derachav Maskil, that in all his ways, he was maskil. So Targum over there says that means that he was successful in all his ways. In other places in Tanakh, I think the language is by Yaakov Avinu, when, when he put his hands over his, uh, his sons, it says, uh, I don't remember the exact language. It says, right? he, he basically, um, he maneuvered his hands uh, to, to, make them, uh, to make them into an X, to put one on Ephraim and one on, on Menashe. So over there, Targum uses the language of uh, of chokhmah. So there are places, uh, more than one place, where the tar. This is mine, right? Mm-hmm. Where the Targum translates seichel as chokhmah, and it's oh, that's interesting. Okay, so basically, the um, in in the the Ashkenaz version of the, for example, of of. Uh, they say right, So If you learn seichel to mean chokhmah, then it's basically saying and then the Sfaradi version is the opposite, chokhmah So it seems that the Ashkenazim chose to do uh, the Sfirot backwards, and we did them forwards. Why that is, I'm not sure. I've never, we haven't gotten to that yet, huh? No, that's us. We follow Chabad, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if the Chabads actually say I'd have to pull out a Sidu Ari. Pro- probably they say I know their, their new Safa is very close to the, the Moroccan 
It's closer than the Ashkenazi. Yeah, I know. I know Lubavitcher guy that whenever he comes to Swaradish, mm -hmm. uh, to Ashkenaz shul, mm -hmm. and he needs a sidur, he pulls out the Swaradi sidurim because it's more likely they're going to have a, a rogue Swaradi sidur than a than a, than a Lubavitch one in an Ashkenaz shul. <laughs> All right. So leava lira. We we just had this. All the words of the teaching of your Torah with love. So, unfortunately, I don't have. Okay, and you should enlighten your eyes with your in your Torah. And you should bond our hearts to your commandments. And totally engross and unify our hearts to love and to fear your name. So, the this this phraseology is very sensible to to anyone who, who, especially us, we've been through so many parts of the tefillah, the Torah is considered art, it's considered light. We saw the Abu Durham said that the reason we have the, we, it was one of the reasons I didn't mention, the reason we put Avarabah here is because we were just speaking about all the Orotarakiyah, all the lights of the firmaments and, and, the, and the highest heavens, the greatest light ever is the light of the Torah. So, makes sense. And to bind our hearts with our mitzvot, because we know that our neshama is made up of of uh, sh uh, there's 365 limbs and, and 248 sinews in, in the body and also in the neshama and these connect each one of these 613 mitzvot connect to another another aspect of your neshama so we're binding our physical uh, we bind our physical self and our spiritual self whether it's the 613 parts of our body with the 613 parts of our of our neshama and all these get infused with the mitzvot so that's a, a bonding. That, that's also understandable. And we should engross our hearts, we should unify our hearts. This could mean either personally that we could, tour, that we could um, unify our own hearts. Sometimes we could feel like we're broken into many pieces and sometimes we have to pull ourselves together to, to fully um, uh, come before Hashem in a, in a pure fashion. But this could also mean that we could unify ourselves, that we could come to Hashem with achdut, because the only way to properly serve Hashem is if we do it together. So v'yached levaveinu could also mean that in plural that we should unify together, that we should all do Torah and we should all do mitzvot. The Temanim, I just brought this here, have a different version and this is actually the Rambam's version. They say, v'ha'er eneinu b'mitzvotecha and you should enlighten our eyes with your mitzvot v'dabek libenu and you should bond our, our hearts yiratecha in your, in all of you. V'yached levaveinu lavat shemecha because I, I, have, I have no, really have no understanding of that girsa. Because even the Ramam says it himself. The Ramam says vi, that we should vidabek uh, libenu and you should bond our hearts biratecha in in awe of you. I've never, I don't really have words to, to, to really interpret that because I don't know what it means to bond your heart in awe of Hashem. Generally, when we speak of awe or fear of Hashem, it's either a nullification or a fear of getting too far from Hashem. It's not, Vidabek seems to be more of a language of love and cleaving than it does of, to be one of, of fear and withdrawing. So I'm not clear as to how, what the pshat is in, in that girsa. Okay, so the, let's see, where are we in the words here? So the Gra says here, and we saw, we saw this last week in the Balatanya. The Balatanya says that there's two levels of Ahava and there's two levels of Yira for Hashem. There's Ava Tata'a, the lower level of Ava, Ava uh, Ila'a, the higher level of Ava. The same goes with Yira. There's a higher level of Yira and a lower level of Yira. So chronologically, the Tanya says, there's just the way it works, the Mitsyut is, that you have to start with the lower level of, of Yira, and then you get to 
the, the lower level of Ahava. So basically, the lower level of Yira is a spectrum. There's a whole... There, in each one of these four general categories is an entire spectrum of service. But let's say in the lowest level of, of Yira, the bottom of... In Yira Tata'a, there's a spectrum of, of fear. So you have all the way at the bottom of Yirat Onesh, they're afraid that Hashem's going to punish you. And at the top of Yirat Tata'a, at the bottom of, uh, at the top of the lowermost fear, you would have an awe in awe of Hashem and in awe of his, of his greatness. Once you've accomplished that, you're able to get to Ahavat Hata'a, a lower level of love for Hashem, which is yearning to cleave to Hashem. And we generally accomplish that through Torah mitzvot. We generally accomplish cleaving to Hashem through doing mitzvot, learning Torah, trying to get closer to Him. Now, that means that in the phraseology here in the bracha, it shouldn't say li'ahava lira, it should say li'ira la'ahava shimecha, if that's the correct order. So the Gra explains that that's not the case, because over here it's talking about ahava ila'a, and I believe, yeah, I believe he's saying, it's speaking about ahava tata'a and ira ila'a. So what that means is that it's speaking about the lower level of love. First you get to... Um, it, it, it's totally disregarding the lowest level of Yira, and it's starting from the middle level. So there's four levels. The bottom one is Yira, then comes Ava, then comes Yira, then comes Ava again. So it's starting from those middle two. There's Ahava Tata'a, straight to Yira Ila'a. Ahava Liyat Shemecha. That's how the Gra explains that. It's the middle two. Ahava Tata'a, the, the lower level of love. And from there, from doing Torah Mitzvot, you get to the higher level of Yira. What's the higher level of Yira? We only spoke about the lower level. We spoke about the lower level, the middle, the next level, which is avatata. What's the higher level of yira? The higher level of yira is where somebody can have such an existential awareness of his nullification before Hashem that he's constantly in a state of awe of Hashem, constantly in a trepid, in a trepidated state of of fear of Hashem, because his awareness and his awe of Hashem is more existential. It's his entire body. He's he's accomplished so much Torah and mitzvot, and he's gotten to such a degree of service that he realizes that he is completely nullified to Hashem. There is a level on top of that which it doesn't discuss now. Um, it could be that the last uh, description of Ahava here in the in the bracha is speaking about that, but there's Ahava Ila'a, the highest level of love, and we described that last week. The highest level of, of reaching, of getting close to Hashem, we speak of as Ahava Rabba, right? Ahava Rabba, which is not our girsah here. We're over here, our girsah is Avatolam. But Avaraba is, it seems from the language of the Baal Tanya, is that regular loving Hashem is a yearning to cleave to Hashem. But Availa'a is when the yearning ends, when there's no more yearning to get closer to Hashem. It's just cleaving. It's just a state of ecstasy where one soul is cleaving to Hashem. And the Baltania says that that state is a gift. That's not a state of uh, ahava which people can just attain on their own. It's not something that you could get through avodah. It's something Hashem has to give to you as a matana. And people who've already reached the status of, of yira ila'av, the highest level of awe, once in a while Hashem will gift to them ahava this higher level of ahava. But in short, yira, when it says le'ahava u'lira shemecha, it means that we should love Hashem, Torah mitzvot, and then yira, and then from there, get to a higher level of awe of Hashem, an existential awe of Hashem. That's how the Gra explains. Ulira et Shemecha, to, to fear your name. And again, name of Hashem always means how he manifests himself to us. Um, okay, so now we get to this part here. Uh, le, le man, some, some have the girsa le man, in order so that. 
right? So why do we want to love and to fear Hashem? In order that we should not be shamed, we should not be humiliated, we should not stumble forever and ever. So, um, this is a bit of a con- a, a, a bit of a higher concept because the olam va'ed alludes to olam haba, and the busha. There's the 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 higher level of yira is also known as yira bosh yirat bosha, the fear of shame. And why is it called the fear of shame? And that's because in the higher realms, when you get to olam haba, you're not going to have uh, human emotions. We're not going to be in a state of in a place where um, there's space, time. Things are very different in, a, in the spiritual world. The dimension is measured differently. A dimension is any area where something could be measured. And there's no... A lot of the human ideas that we have down in this world don't apply to, to the world above us. So when we speak of the world above us and we speak about dying and going to Shemayim, right? So we speak about it in metaphors. And all of these metaphors are a, a sort of a... Um, a simu- not a simulacrum but kind of a structure or an architecture for, to help us like understand the concept in the other world. So, for example, let's say we, we're afraid of doing sin in this world because we have yira ila, yirat boshat, fear of shame. So what is shame in our world? In our world, when someone feels shame, it's because he finds himself situated in a place where he shouldn't be. When you find yourself situated in a, in a place or in a status that you know you shouldn't be in that place or at that place or at that level, that's when we feel shame. Sh- guilt is when I did something wrong. Shame is when there's something wrong with you. When someone realizes, let's say everybody realizes that you're a thief or everyone finds you with your hands in the cookie jar. So there's, <laughs> these are just simple uh, examples of shame. But the idea is that you find yourself either at a status or at a place situated where you don't belong. You don't belong here. You belong somewhere else. You're not of that level of degree or that level of dignity. That is Yirat Boshet because that gives us a structure for understanding what Yirat is in the next world. In the next world, the way things are measured is how similar or dissimilar they are from their essence, from their, from their source. So because Hashem is the essence or the source, if your neshama is imperfect or it has klipot or it has tumah on it, it's less and less similar. It's more and more uh, concealed and more mitzamtzem from its source. So when we get to Shemaim and our Shema is too dissimilar from Hashem, that is called boshet. It's a burning feeling. It's a, Gehenom is not a literal burning. It's a burning feeling. Just like here in this world, when we feel shame, we burn up. Our body burns. It's a burning feeling of being situated in a status where you don't belong. When your soul realizes, I could have been closer, I could have been more similar to Hashem, and I'm not, that burning feeling in Shemaim is what we call Yirat Boshet. That's, that's the, uh, the idea of Aloni Kashel, that we should not stumble the Olam Va'ed forever and ever. Not in this world, and not in the next world. We shouldn't have a, a, a Mezid, a Shogeg, or a Pshia that is going to lead us to, to do sin, which is going to bring us f- further from Hashem. Now it says, in the Sephardi version, it says, Ki gadol batachnu. Right? So, in your holy name, the great, powerful, and awesome, we have placed our trust. So, Gadol Gibor Benaraz is the language of the Moshe Rabbeinu, it's the language of the Nevi'im. In some places, the Nevi'im say Hagadol HaGibor, or they say Gibor Benarar, all these expressions. The Ashkenaz version just says Hagadol Vehanora, doesn't say Gibor. And the reason for this, they say the Yavit says, is Kabbalistic. He says that in this uh, 
Hechal, this, this bracha exists in a section of the world of Briaris. Meditatively, it ex, uh, Kabbal, in the Kabbalistic meditation, if you are going to do the Kabbalistic meditation properly, there is something called Hechal Ahava, which is the chamber of love, in which this bracha is situated. And so in this chamber of Ahava, which is which it's called, there is no aspect of Givurah. There is no aspect of Hashem's um, withholding. So because there's no givurah, there's no withholding in this chamber, and it's all pure chesed, it's all pure giving from Hashem, we don't see the attribute of gibor. That's why the Ashkenazim skip it out. Why the Svaradim add it, I'm not sure, but they're, uh, both girsaot are definitely deliberate. Nagila v'nismacha b'shuatecha. Should I go to this right now? Uh, yeah, I'll just explain the words. Nagila v'nismacha. Gila is a joy which is persistent. Vinismacha is a joy, simcha is a joy which comes from something new or something which uh, you had a, a void for something and you received it, right? If you were lacking something and you, it came to you, that's simcha, it's a sudden joy. So the, the, the Gra says, and I think this is, he says this in Shir, in, um, I think he says this in, I think it's in Shira Shirim. He says this idea that in Olam Va'ed we're going to have both simachot, we're going to have a simcha which is persistent in our re- revelation of Hashem, and a, a simcha which is constantly renewed because we're constantly going to have n- new revelations of Hashem. So that's an idea, a, a look to the future of of, um, of the Geulah. So now, why does the Geulah blo- belong here in Avat Olam? We're speaking about the Torah. What business does it have to speak about Yomot Mashiach? We should just simply say... Uh, we should just simply say, uh, thank you, Hashem, for loving us and giving us the Torah. Why do we have to speak about the Gula? So, Rabbi Huda ben Yakar, one of the Rishonim, he was a Rebbe of the Ramban. He says something very interesting. He brings a story in the Gemara where two Amoraim were leaving Eretz Yisrael. And when they left Eretz Yisrael, they, they tore their garments and they cried that they were giving up the, their, their, their share in being able to be Yoshev, to, to live in Eretz Yisrael. And over there in the Gemara, it says that this teaches us that Yeshivat Eretz Yisrael, living in Eretz Yisrael, is shakul keneget kol mitzvot, is equal to the performance of all the commandments. So for this reason, he says, this is why Havat Olam uh, contains something about the Gula. And he doesn't really explain what he means, but what I assume he means is that because we're, we're speaking about the Torah, and we're speaking about performing the mitzvot, we are also going to mention a way in which we could perform them which is twice as good, meaning which in a way which is going to be with, with Yeshivat Eretz Yisrael, with when we're living in Eretz Yisrael, and therefore uh, that's part of the petition. Once we're talking about Torah mitzvot, we pray that we should also do it in a way which is shakul keneget kol mitzvot. we should do it in a, in a super fashion. The Tzedal Ederach, it's an older sefer on Tefillah. He says, very simple, it's to emphasize Avat Olam. For the Ashkenazim, this doesn't really work because they say Avat But the whole idea of the Bracha is that Hashem loves us eternally. And one might come to say that perhaps Hashem lost his love for us or he gave his love to another nation or because he hates us and he loves another nation is why we're in the Galut to begin with. Therefore, we're, we're um, what's the word? reinforcing this idea that Hashem has an Ahavat Olam for us, that He loves only us, and despite this long galut, we're praying for the Geula because we know that Hashem still loves us. That's why we speak about uh, the Geula. 
All right. Further in the words, May your compassion, Hashem our God, and your many kindnesses, Three different languages. Um, I saw different uh, expressions for different uh, explanations for why it uses all three. All of them seem to be bederach remez. Why why it uses netzach, sela, and ve'ed, which means basically forever, forever, and forever. Um, I did not understand any anything that I saw. I, all all of the things the Rishonim explained why it was netzach, sela, ve'ed was somewhat kabbalistic, and I did not understand it. Hurry and bring upon us peace speedily from all four corners of the earth. And break the yoke of the nations from our necks. And quickly lead us proudly upright to our land. For you are God who works salvations. And the Mekubalim say Yeshuot is also a type of uh, attribute of Hashem, which doesn't include Kiburah. And you chose us among all nations and tongues. Vikaraftanu Malkenu, you brought us close to our king Lashimcha Gadol to your great name, Be'ava with love, Lihadot Lach, so that we might give thanks to you, Liachetchan, to proclaim your oneness. Liyira Ulahavat Shimecha. The Ashkenazim just say to Lahavat Shimecha, to love your name. The Sardim add Liyira. Now the Rizal says something which is incredible because the Rizal himself, generally when he gives when he speaks about the tefillah, he speaks about it b'derech remez or b'derech kapalah or all the kavanot. But he, he, he digresses in the shar kavanot, either him or Chaim Vital. It seems that he's saying it from his Rebbe. And he says, upshat. He basically says that there's four zechirot that we have to, that we are chayav to remember every day b'machshava. One is Yetziat Mitzrayim. Two is Kabbalat Torah. Three is Miriam, Masa Miriam, how Miriam spoke Lashon and number four is Zechirat Amalek, right? These are four uh, Zechirot, which we have to remember at least every day. And he says that these three Zechirot correspond to the four festivals. Yitziat Mitzrayim is Pesach. Amalek is Sukkot. Matan Torah is Shavuot. And Miriam was Mekatreg on uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. That's Rosh Hashanah, where there's a Kitrug. And he says that Yom Kippur is not considered Yom Tov, it's considered a Shabbat. So these four Zechirot correspond to the four Galim. And here in the Bracha, it's alluding to these four Zechirot which we have to have every day. You have Ubanu Bacharta, that's Matan Torah. Lishimcha Hagadol, to your great name, that's Zechirat Amalek, because we've said many times that Yadol Keska, that Hashem promised that His name is not complete, His name won't be Gadol until the spiritual aspect of Amalek is destroyed from the world, which is why we say it Kadal Bitka that we hope that uh, in the future Amalek will get destroyed and we'll bring the Gula and Hashem's shame will be Gadol again, Hashem's name will be great again. So that's Lashim Gadol, that, that references Amalek. Lehodot Lecha, to praise you, meaning that our mouths should only serve Hashem to praise Him, that's Miriam, that there should be no Kitrug. And then finally, the Kriyat Shema itself speaks about Yitziat Misraim, and so therefore all four Zechirot are mentioned in Kriyat Shema, that's what the Arizal says. Um... Now, this concept of Yehud, finally, uh, at the end of the bracha, is a concept that we're going to have to talk more about next week with the, the Shema Yisrael Shema Kena Shema Chad. But in brief, the idea is very simple. It's not that when we believe, when we say, that we're, when we're miyached Hashem, that we just say that Hashem is one. We're not being so elementary that we're just saying that we're a monotheistic religion and we believe in one God, we don't believe in two gods, we don't believe in three gods, we don't believe in any triple system, Shutzvot. It's not that elementary that we're just saying Hashem is one God. That we're already past. 
When we say we're miyached Hashem, that we're unifying Hashem, it's a slightly more advanced idea, but it's not a difficult idea to understand. Let's, let's start with the negation of it. If Hashem willed for this entire universe to cease to exist, it would immediately cease to exist, right? We can all agree on that basic principle. So if that's true, that means that it's simply Hashem's will at any given moment that our, nation, that, that our universe exists. That means that our universe is simply the imagination or the will of Hashem. Completely his intellect, whatever, his spiritual power is what's constantly allowing our world to, ex to exist. We are basically the figments of Hashem's imagination, which well, figuratively speaking, not that Hashem actually has an imagination. So that means technically that all things that exist, all things that we experience, whether they're physical or spiritual, are Hashem. All the things that we see and all experience in the entire universe, whether these are uh, experiences in our world, whether there are ways Hashem deals with us, whether Hashem deals with us uh, in a way which is positive, whether he, he punishes us, all the ways Hashem manifests Himself, whether He's, he's uh, creating a physical world, whether Hashem is creating a spiritual world, whether He's bringing punishment on people, whether Hashem is bringing good on people, all of these things themselves are Hashem. There's no, nothing is separate from Hashem, whether it seems to be evil, whether it seems to be good, whether it seems to be physical, whether it seems to be spiritual, everything is Hashem's will, everything comes from Hashem, we are neshamot, our physical bodies, everything around us is Hashem, we exist within Hashem. So that's the idea of Echad. The meditation of the word Echad is one over eight, right, one Aleph over Chet, which is the seven Rakiyas and the one earth. Over Dalid, Dalid Ruchot Olam, over the four directions. It's a meditation which basically takes you, uh, uh, it pierces different directions. You go up one axis and down and across the other axis. That basically your entire uh, meditative universe can, can, uh, consists of Hashem and there's nothing divorced uh, from Hashem. So now the closing of the bracha, Baruch Hashem, Habocher who chooses his people with love. The Abu Dhabi points out that why do we close with Ava? Why don't we close with Yichud? Why don't we say uh, um, why don't we say something in the closing of the bracha about Yichud or say something about in the in the closing of the bracha about Torah? So he says that Ahava is a is a prerequisite for Yichud. The only way for us to properly be able to achieve this meditation of Hashem's sheer unity is to first. Um, meditate on Hashem, on loving Hashem. Once we build this re reciprocal idea in our minds that Hashem loves us and therefore we love Him back, when you can cleave to Hashem is when you can realize that we're, there's nothing but Hashem. So you first have to love Hashem and cleave to Him to realize that there's nothing besides Hashem. That's why we close with Ava because we're about to be miached Hashem. We're about to say Shema Hashem Hashem Echad and to be able to accept the yoke of Hashem and in order to realize that Hashem is everything to us, we have to first be able to love Hashem. The Rokeach says that, that Be'echad is, uh, Echad is the same uh, gematria as, as uh, Be'ahavah. So Be'echad and Be'ahavah and Echad and Ahavah are the same gematria. The Yavid says further that Ahavah, because the, the word Ahavah is gematria Yud Gimel, and therefore it's also an allusion to the Yud Gimel Midot, the Yud Gimel Midot of Rachamim. All of the 13 attributes of Hashem's mercy to us are sheer expressions of Hashem's love. And there's no other reason that Hashem has such a strong Rachmanut for B'nai Israel if it wasn't for his love for us. It's the level of, which exceeds, as I said, parents. Like, even more than a parent, even more than a forgiving boy, <coughs> Hashem, to a degree, has an incredible amount of Rachmanut to us, and that's Mirumaz in the word Echad, 
and merumaz in the word uh, ahava. Um, I heard an interesting idea from somebody from from a speaker named Ray Kaplan or Shmuel Kaplan. He said a beautiful thing. He said that uh, regarding the choosing, he says who chooses his people of Bnei Israel with love. He said that when we speak about Hashem choosing uh, Bnei Israel, when we say that we're the chosen people, it doesn't mean that Hashem chose us collectively as a nation. And he said, I like this nation. I like their noses. I like how stubborn they are. I like how white they are. Hashem didn't say, I, I like this nation. And therefore them and forever, their offspring, they're going to be the Jewish people. That wasn't what happened when Hashem chose us. When it says, when Hashem chose the Jewish people, it means every neshama before he created it, Hashem said, this neshama, with all of its strengths and all of its weaknesses, I want that neshama to be a Jew. I want that neshama to be born to a Jewish family. Whether you were born secular, whether you were born from, whether you were born a goy and you became you became a ger and your neshama was just pulled toward Judaism. When it says that Hashem chose the Jewish nation, it never meant that He just chose us once a long time ago. It's not a collective cho choosing. Hashem didn't choose Bnei Israel collectively. He chose us individually. And this is, when we're speaking of Hashem choosing us, this is, this is this idea of infinite love, that He chose every single one of us individually. He says, I love this person, and I want him to be a, or her to be a part of Bnei Israel. And I thought that was a very beautiful idea. I don't know what His source is, but... But I, I, do, I do really like the idea. Now, just let's um, mention some of the Kabbalah. So we, we, we mentioned that the Zohar says that this is the Heichal of Ava. We spoke about that last week. What does that mean meditatively? There's a universe of where all the Neshamot are contained. It's called the Heichal of Ava. And it's from Chesed Vatzilut and all these things. And this is, this is the, the meditative universe in which, Ava, uh, uh, in which Avat Olam is contained. Um, but more importantly, because we went through the text, um, Kabbalistically, the Arizal instructs us to take our tzitzit, the four tzitzit, when we say, Maher shalom, bring upon us um, blessing and peace speedily from the four corners of the earth. The Arizal says to take the four corners of your, of your tzitzit, put it in your left hand, and then wait for them, uh, and then hold them throughout Kriyat Shema until you kiss them with tzitzit, right? This is something we all know, and we all know how to do. So he says, why Alpiyah Kabbalah? That's true. I don't really understand any of it, but he's, he says there's a whole uh, something about uh, the sod of how tzitzit work and how it's malchut, and uh, we, malchut is shoresh is from the small, and therefore we have to put it in our left hand. He has a whole Kabbalistic idea about that. So I didn't really understand why Alpiyah Kabbalah, you have to put all your, your tzitzit in the left hand, something about four powers of malchut or something to that effect. But he says something much more interesting, which I never saw. And he says that it's not clear exactly, there's two different versions of this in the Shara Kavanot, but he says that if your neshama is the Shoresh is rooted from Kayin, if you happen to know that your soul comes from Kayin, then you should take your front two tzitzit and put it on your shoulders. This is what, what, what he says in the Shara Kavanot. I've never seen anybody do this. Um, some speculate, the Ben Ishchai speculates, maybe he was just telling this to Rav Chaim Vital, because he knew that his neshama was uh, from Kayin. But the Ben Ishchai says, in, in Sefer Odi Yosef Chai, he says, if you want to know if your neshama is from Kayin, here's how you tell. If you're always very afraid of water, and um, I believe he says, if you're very good with, um, you're not very good at speaking, but you're very good at uh, with your hands, you're very handy, that means your neshama is from Kayin. 
and he brings all different <laughs> all different riot like what type of personality you would have yeah. to say that you're from Kayan and if that's true then you could take your tzitzit and to front two tzitzit and put it on your shoulder <laughs> or something like that I, I'm sure that in the Sefer Ben Ishlai he'll probably speak about it more I didn't get a chance to see it but there is this idea if you ever see somebody taking his front two tzitzit and putting it on his shoulder you know he's a special special mm-hmm. kind of person um, <laughs> lastly, um, there, maybe we'll discuss a little bit more of the halacha of this next, in a few weeks, when we have to speak about, uh, but there's a minhag that when people finish, uh, let me just see where we're up to. Oh, wow. We went very long. Okay. There's a, a minhag when people finish to say, before they say kriyat shema. Most of the poskim do not like this. The Torah speaks very strongly against this because it's like it's making a hefsek between Habocher Bamoisal Behava and Shema Yisrael. Um, some still do it, but really, the the some the the, the minhag Darma says is that some only did it biachidut, but when they were birabim, they would they would say Amen instead. The Sheikh Tzibur would say Behava, and they would answer Amen. The Rama also strongly dissuades people from saying Kel Melech Neeman before saying Shema Yisrael. If you're saying Habochem Ramayisrael Behava and then Shema Yisrael, so therefore that Lahalachalamase is that a person if you're if you're saying Kriyat Shema Lamita right and you're going to say Kel and you're going to say Shema Yisrael and you're going to say and you don't have the bracha beforehand, you definitely your Beyechidut you could say Kel Melech Neeman if you want to. But if you're doing it with a tzibor, you should not say kel melech ne'aman. The reason suggested for why we say kel melech ne'aman is brought by the uh, by the French rishonim who said they had a misora that there's 248 words in kriyat, oh, sorry letters in kriyat shema and they represent the uh, 248 sinews of the nefesh and we're trying to get to 248, but kriyat shema really only has 245. Therefore, we need the extra letters of kel melech ne'aman to fulfill that. But the rishonim say. That this is not enough of an excuse to make a hefsek between Abocher Ramo Yisrael Be'ava and Shema Yisrael. You can't make a hefsek. The most you could do is if the if the if the Shliach Tzibur answer says Abocher Ramo Yisrael Be'ava. If you want, if it's your minhag in your community, you could answer Amen. But you're not allowed to say Kamal Chayaman, and that's the minhag in most places. Uh, next week, I think we'll continue with uh, either the first two or three sentences of Kriyat Shema, or maybe we'll get through the first uh, or second paragraph.